0: Thank you for listening to InTech Today. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcast app. And if you like us, give us a rating. But for now, on with the show.
1: It is the 1st of June 2017, and this is InTech Today.
0: On today's show, we look at the absolute omni-shambles that was the British Airways computer meltdown last weekend. What happened? How did it happen? And will it happen again?
1: In just a couple of weeks' time, mobile roaming charges will be a thing of the past in EU countries. What does this mean for your travels this summer?
0: And our techno-dinosaur Michelle wants to know if it makes sense to consider a smart TV when it comes time to upgrade. I'm Josh White. I'm Ed Swift.
1: And this is your no-frills, no-fuss, low-fuss fat guide to the week in technology, it's InTech Today.
0: How are we at June? First of June. We're, we're nearly six months till Christmas. We should probably start our um, our Christmas gadget gift guide now, shouldn't we, really?
1: Well, I mean, there are many gadgets that um, you need to save up a bit of money for.
0: Yeah. I mean, drones. <laughs> I want a drone for Christmas. That, that's basically my hint to our listeners. Drone would be Hi, nice. Yeah, my address uh, we will put on the Twitter, and you can send me a drone for Christmas. <laughs> Thanks. That would be nice. That would be. I would really enjoy a drone. Yeah, but that being I. I. I'd enjoy it, but then after a week, I think, oh, actually, do I really need this?
1: I'd crash it probably. On Christmas Day, I'd take it to the park and try to fly the <laughs> drone and just crash it. And there goes a lot of money.
0: And you know you can't re- order replacement parts because Amazon won't deliver till late the 27th, possibly. Oh, yeah, two days wait. I know, and then by then you'll be over it.
1: Right, so no drones for Christmas. No, don't send saying? us
0: a drone. Don't, do not send us a drone. There we go, We've settled that. Okay. Speaking about the settling things, shall we crack on?
1: I like that. Good segue. We're starting with... Uh, Well, I mean, we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about holidays, we're starting about how so many people's holidays were ruined at the weekend.
0: Yep, the good old British Airways meltdown.
1: Mm -hmm. So on Saturday, what I, as far as I can tell, one of the biggest computer meltdowns in sort of recent history hit British Airways. Basically, the computer systems that control the airline's reservations, their seat assignments, their whole fleet uh, management, you know, where planes can fly to, when they can fly, what gates they go to, just completely fell over.
0: That's not good for a travel company for, ev- for for everything to just fall over for that long.
1: Completely fell over, yeah. Uh, they blamed it on a power surge, very you know it's kind of the, it's something people can't prove one way or another, so it's a convenient excuse. Um, and they say that their backup system also failed.
0: So the main system failed, the backup system failed, which left them with nothing, nothing.
1: All flights worldwide on the British Airways system were grounded. Uh, I mean, we saw those scenes of absolute chaos at Heathrow and Gatwick airports in London, which are BA's two main hubs, um, and of the knock-on effects lasting well into uh, Sunday and Monday, because, of course, it was not only the long weekend here in the UK, but the first weekend of the school holidays.
0: Mm. It, it's the, like, if, if there was any time for this to fail, it would be either now... In six weeks' time when school holidays start again or Christmas. And it just happened <laughs> to be now. Uh,
1: yeah. Like one of one of the busiest travel days of the year. Because it was also the first weekend of sort of warm weather.
0: Yeah. As well. It's been so good.
1: It's hot. It's hot in here. It's really hot. Um, if you are watching this video, this will be the first time you've seen us in the new studio.
0: Welcome to our studio at Facebook.com slash Inteach Day Podcast.
1: Very uh comfortable, apart from the temperature. Yeah.
0: We really should turn those heaters off maybe next time. <laughs> oh, that's the problem. Yeah. So, okay, so they, they said it was a power surge. They did. What Was it actually a power surge? What actually happened?
1: Yeah, well, here's the thing. We, we just have to take them at their word. <laughs> yeah. Now, British Airways hasn't really provided much evidence beyond that. Perhaps they don't feel like they have to, but, I, I mean, if I were one of their customers, I'd feel like I'd want to know a bit more about what happened than just it was a power surge. Um, there weren't any known power surges on the uk's national grid at the time that they said it happened which means the power surge was isolated to some sort of british airways power circuit so no one can really tell if it was a power surge even if it was a power surge which as i say we have to take them at face value why did their backup system fail
0: Mm. Uh, you'd think that there'd be you know more safeguards in place though wouldn't there
1: well there should be (laughs) there should be uh (laughs) Now, one of the unions in the UK has come out this week swinging, basically saying, this is what happens when you outsource your IT to India, which British Airways did outsource all their IT functions offshore uh, a couple of years ago, mm. um, which really meant they just had a skeleton staff to deal with this kind of situation happening. Mm. And this kind of situation is a case of when, not if. Yeah. Things fail. Yeah. This is why we're not live streaming today. <laughs> Things fail yeah um so yeah i don't that being said it, i don't know
0: in fairness i mean we we do say things fail the union that union did say that this is what happens when you outsource to india but ba has actually come back this week and said look that's not the case it was a power surge this it's not because we outsourced to india just to just to give them to, the benefit of
1: the doubt there. to give ba the benefit of the doubt but then i sort of think would they perhaps have been able to deal with it better, or have a more robust backup system in place if they still had full uh, IT function in the UK? Mm. Maybe I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of BA's IT system. I can't. I can't say that.
0: Okay, so we're we're seeing that uh, this can be whatever it was. The system absolutely failed here. completely. But then we look at what's happening a bit closer to the city and what London City Airport's doing. <laughs> uh, well, tell this us is more. Th- th- this is
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, this kind of failure, perhaps it shows us that we need to have non-computer-based systems as an absolute fail-safe backup. Because, of course, if you go back, um, I, I mean, computerized reservation systems have existed in airlines since the 60s. Mm. But the, for a long time, they still had the paper backup system. Um, and, and if BA still had something in place, they might have been able to have paper manifests and, um, you, you know, they, they might have been able to work something out manually. And this concerns me with London City Airport because what the plan is to do in a couple of years' time is move the air tra- close the air traffic control tower at London City Airport, and move control uh, to an office somewhere.
0: somewhere outside of London, I think it is. I th- yeah, yeah.
1: Um, using cameras that are connected to London City Airport. Uh, so basically, using some pretty clever technology to have a remote traffic control tower. Which is all very well and good. It
0: sounds pretty cool on the face of it.
1: Until this kind of thing happens.
0: That is the worry. I, I, I did. See, I saw a v- the video of it on uh, the BBC site. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, what happens if all those screens, you suddenly see the they blue screen of death? Yeah. And, I mean, the
1: reason air traffic control towers are towers like that is so that when systems fail, and they do fail, they have failed a lot in the past with air traffic control, but it's set up so that you still have, I mean, if you've ever seen uh, Mayday or air crash investigation or anything like that, and you see them sort of slotting those... Mm. those. Um, I don't know what they're called.
0: Little but, card panel yeah, type things. Slotting
1: these panels in, and and the reason they still slot panels in is so they still have a visual representation of what's going on if their screen goes dark. Yeah, so they can still do it without a computer system. Um, and then going beyond air travel, last year BT's data centre failed on two occasions, both times leaving the UK without usable internet. You know, leaving mo- most of the country mm. without usable internet for hours
0: this i mean th- this is the second story in the space of a month of something absolutely f- you know we've had this uh, a few weeks ago we had the wanna cry disaster which yeah. took down the nhs yeah. here basically and a whole lot of you know affected a whole lot of other companies around the world do we do we rely too much on technology
1: well i don't think it's a case of relying too much i think it's a case of not planning for the worst case scenario you know i mean we I'm sure you do it. I certainly back up my data all the time, Mm. just in case something happens to it. Um, I've always, you know, when I go traveling, I have an international roaming plan, which we'll talk about shortly. Coming up next. But I also always print out all of my flight details, my travel insurance, any cars I'm hiring, just in case I get there and I can't connect you know, always have a backup, I think is quite important advice when it comes to technology. So it's not, not necessarily a case of over-reliance on technology because it allows, all of these systems allow us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise, but perhaps there needs to be a, an absolute fail-safe, i.e. a pen, a piece of paper, and an operations manual in a massive binder
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: that we can fall back on in case things go wrong. Just like, I mean, the London Underground... Um, you've got the Northern, the Jubilee, um, and a couple of the other lines. The trains are automated. All the driver does is say it's safe to close the doors, and then the train we'll just drives go. off to the next station. The DLR as well is like that. Mm. But the, when those computer systems fail...
0: There's someone on board that can actually sort it out and do, do, it, mechanically, go, do it manually. Accelerate,
1: yeah. brake, do all that, which the computers normally do. Mm. So it's having that failsafe. There, yeah, just in
0: case. So
1: okay. I think it, it, it. Yeah,
0: we'll just. I, I guess it just <laughs> you know proves again. Always have a backup. In whatever you do, whether it's your always. files, whether it's a system, whether always. you run an airline, whether whether you run an airline or whether you run the NHS, always have a backup.
1: I mean, actually, to be fair, all airlines also um, have a few planes that just with crew that just sit there um, all the time waiting for one of their other planes to fail.
0: Maybe they just need a backup crew for their. Data center with the power surge that failed.
1: Yeah. Let's just hope it doesn't happen again in
0: a hurry. Fingers because crossed. That was a disaster. Summer is around the corner. Oh.
1: That was an interesting sound effect. Yeah. Was... Didn't actually hear that. Did you hear that?
0: No, I didn't hear anything at all. Do you want to
1: Should we try it again? Yeah,
0: let's do it again. Nothing. Huh. Is it because you've got it turned down? Not turned down. Okay. No, I mean on the... No. Okay. Should we just insert this manually? Right. So talking about failsafes, uh, we have a failsafe to put in the sound effects manually. Yeah. Uh, later on in the S- editing process.
1: So what you'll hear now is a sound effect that I've that we can't hear right now because I've inserted it later.
0: Speaking of summer being around the corner, um, <laughs> there's um, smooth as I know
1: smooth as <laughs>
0: absolutely smooth. Uh, there is one thing that I hate about travel. And, you know, a lot of telcos... Just the one. Well, I mean, there are a few things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when BA flights are grounded, I'm stuck at an airport. Not that that was me uh, this weekend. Um, But, you know, one of the big bugbears about traveling is... You know, staying connected when you're traveling. You know, being able to access your reservations on your phone. Being able to, if you if you're one of those people, share all your photos as you're going on holiday. Uh, you're being, one of those people. I yeah. am one of those people, and I am not ashamed. Possibly to, an oversharer. Well, some <laughs> say oversharer, some say generous. Yeah. Um, anyway, the uh, I'm just gonna.
1: We see. just lost the logo behind us. There we go. Again, we are being plagued by technical difficulties today. Absolutely so plagued by For those watching the them.
0: video, because um, they won't they won't really hear this on the podcast.
1: No, if you're listening to us just on the podcast, then this, you're not probably hear this. sounds pretty good. Apart from, well, you would have heard uh, fun with the sound effect just then.
0: Yeah. Anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> you know, staying connected... Um, it's on, important it's important these days it is very important to stay connected especially you know keeping in touch with friends and family a lot of uh business when it comes to the travel industry is done online so you need to be able to access your emails access, yep. access your reservations you know have everything there on your phone without thinking okay i need to save everything i need to print everything off while well, they are great fail safes it is much easier just to be able to search your email and say i want this reservation file now here's my reservation number there we go done sorted um One thing that is changing, and it comes into effect in just over two weeks, is roaming charges. Now, you know, it used to be, you know, if you went overseas, wherever you were, you'd be stung with a massive bill to make a phone call, (laughs) send or receive a text message. You know, even even when we were moving over here to the UK, um, when I was in Bangkok on my New Zealand phone... It still cost a lot of money to send a text. You know, it wasn't included in your plan. I think I think it was eighty cents per text message. And you know, if some if you send a really long text message, that very or send a lot of text messages, that can add up quite a bit. Yeah. But what is happening here in the EU? Is and it's been a situation they've been working on for a few years now. They're actually changing how roaming charges work, and they're saying that if you are a member, if you have a phone contract with an EU member state, and which
1: you f- we do for at least the next eighteen months,
0: fingers crossed, we can keep this. <laughs> we can sort of keep this part of the deal. I'm yeah. sure that'll be a a big issue in negotiations. But if if <laughs> one you, of the many, one of the, there's a lot of issues, there's, there's one have. or
1: two issues to sort of iron out aren't there. <laughs> um, yeah. but Anyway, but
0: if You live in the EU and you have a phone contract with a company in the EU. Yeah. You can go to any other EU contract and you won't actually have to pay. Sorry, country. (laughs) You can go to any other (laughs) EU country. Yeah. um, And you won't have to pay an extra cent for roaming. Excellent. Which is fantastic. There have been some telcos that have been doing this for a while. Three is one of them here in the UK. Yeah. They have what they call feel at home. We've talked about this before. Yeah, we have. Where you can go overseas to a number of places and any minutes, any data you use will be as part of your plan. So you're not paying extra for particular countries. Yep. Um, what the EU have said is they've basically said, look, within the EU, you shouldn't have to pay extra on your mobile plan to go to the country next door or the yeah. other side of Europe. You know, you should be it, this should all be included in your package which to be honest is fantastic and it's probably long overdue well it's
1: it, it is fantastic for those of us who who, who travel around the EU which, which many people do on mm. their holidays but beyond that it's probably going to be really nice for people who live near borders. Exactly. Because, I mean, you look at the border between the UK and the Republic of Ireland and there are not just towns but houses that straddle that border Mm. and genuinely people have to have two SIM cards for either end of their village or either end of their
0: house. Because suddenly they'll find themselves in the other country's coverage area. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or, or again, in the, in the Benelux area, you know, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, the borders are so... I mean, there is a town where the, the, the border is actually so patchy that you could be in any um, country just by crossing the street and then go around the corner and you're in another country again. <laughs> but because of, of um, the, the way that mobile networks treat every border as a solid international border even though you're in the same town, um, if you don't juggle your SIM cards correctly, you're going you're going to end up with a shock. So that comes to an end.
0: Yeah, that comes to an end great. on June the 15th, which, and I'll talk about the, what the implications are for tourists as well very yeah. shortly. But so what this means is if, you know, if you are in one of those areas, you're not going to have to worry about it. As long as you connect to your home network once a day, you're not going to be impacted uh, by, you know, any extra... Ro- I mean, I, I should say, you know, it's not... It's not a license to go buy a SIM card from a cheap country and just constantly use that in the UK or wherever. Um, there are limits. So, for example, I know it depends on the telco, but for yeah. example, my plan with three, I have an unlimited data package, but they've said, okay, sure, you have an unlimited data package, but you can only use 12 gigs as part of your package if you're roaming in any, in any given month. Yeah. And if we see you start it's just to abuse More that, than
1: enough, to be fair. I mean, 12
0: <laughs> gigs, I, I don't even go through that here in the UK. Right. Um. But so that is a massive amount. Yeah. Um but they do say, you know, if you know, say for example, over the space of four months you don't actually return to your home country for four months and you're just using your UK data plan in France or Belgium or yeah. wherever. Yeah. Um, they will say, Well actually look, we're gonna have to start charging you. Um they do have a maximum charge though of seven euros seventy Uh, per gigabyte which is a lot less than what it used to be and (laughs) uh, they are looking at bringing it down to two euro 20 by 2022 my god that'd be wonderful even if you do go over your roaming charges, it's not going to be too expensive. It's not going to be that bad. So yeah. um, that is one other. That is one fantastic. Thing. The other really good thing is the you know you know with roaming charges where well with these packages traditionally you've been able to call back home as part of your allowance. But yeah. say you're in Paris and you want to call your hotel in Paris to just say I'm arriving late. Yeah, and you've had to pay extra charges, which for seems that bizarre
1: call. that it would have been as part. You know, with three at least, I could call back to the UK for free, but to call that hotel across the Road would cost me
0: yeah no longer yes that's all included as part of it so if you're calling um anyone if you're roaming and calling anyone in a country in an eu country whether that's back home in the uk whether that's in the country you're in whether it's you know calling the next hotel in spain it all counts as roaming and is complete it comes under your data allowance which excellent is absolutely excellent fantastic for visitors I know a lot of you probably aren't in the UK and you're probably wondering, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Why should I keep listening? Well, it does because it means that if you're, um, say you're spending a, you know, you're spending a bit of time in the UK, you yep. can buy a SIM card there, yep. you can buy a package and buy your add on so you can get data roaming. It means that if you hop, a, hop over to France for a week, it means you can, there is a chance that you can actually use your UK data allowance on that prepay SIM or whatever it is. Yeah. Assuming you pay extra for the add on. Um, <clears throat> in France without having to buy another number and another SIM card and another top of package,
1: So excellent for backpackers because I know a lot of my friends who have done the whole backpacking thing through Europe and bought a SIM card in every country and you're in a new country every two or three days. Yeah. It becomes unsustainable. So yeah, that that is excellent so you just buy the one SIM card when you arrive in Europe. Exactly. And you
0: should be alright. That, so that does raise the question, you know, if you are coming from outside the EU or outside the UK, is it worth getting an international roaming package? Well... It depends. You know, if you want to keep your your number because you have important calls coming from home, mm. whether it's New Zealand, Australia, the US, Canada, wherever mm-hmm. um, you know, and you want to be able to receive those calls or make calls from that number and, you know, still do business on your current number without having to tell everyone, This is my new number, and M four then <laughs> um, you know, there is it may be better for you to get an international roaming package yeah. for those calls but if yeah. you are looking to just uh, you know travel around if you're not doing business if you're doing travel around you know get a local sim card yeah buy that local sim card get the add-ons that you need so you can get the roaming around the eu as well okay. and you and you'll be set excellent so it all kicks in 15th of june yeah i'm looking forward to this
1: well, i think it's probably also important to say that if you do a lot of travel outside the eu you still get a sim card that lets you do that like the three sim card like i know vodafone have some pretty good add-ons exactly for that as well because it only covers the eu the, of course the, these these um so even though I'm, even though i have a package in the eu i'm traveling to japan at the end of the year it obviously isn't going to cover my travel there so i need to make sure i have an appropriate package for that
0: of course of yeah. course the other before we go the other interesting thing that to note about this is a lot of the uk companies uh try to claim credit for this. You'll see, you know, if you've got a UK (laughs) mobile phone, you might get a text from them saying, good news, we're changing our roaming. Or, you know, we've got these wonderful offers that we can offer you from June. It's not actually the case. They're not doing it out of generosity. It is, you know...
1: They, they, they want to say, good news, we've been forced to change our policy.
0: <laughs> they don't say they've been forced, though. This is the thing that, you know, it's actually the European Commission that has said, mm-hmm. this is how it is. And phone companies are saying to consumers, look what we're doing for you. So, um, you know. So you, nice. So generous. If you think this is, that this is a special deal from just your telco, no. It's not. Everyone's getting it. Everyone's getting it. 15th of June. Happy roaming, guys.
1: And it's everybody's favourite
0: segment. Our good friend, the
1: techno-dinosaur. Everybody's favourite segment. It's, um yeah, Michelle the techno-dinosaur. Uh, every week I have to stress, not just a mean name we came up with.
0: No, that's, that she is actually a self, uh, self-professed uh, techno-dinosaur.
1: Absolutely. Knows hardly anything about technology. You know,
0: a lot of the time we have to show her how to turn the computer on. <laughs> um, so she's she, finally learnt this. She's going
1: to love you for that. I know,
0: I know. <laughs> Hi, Michelle.
1: Um, So this is a question this week, um, and it's all about televisions, smart televisions. Let's have a listen. So I currently watch Netflix on my iPad, but obviously I've heard about smart TVs, and I was wondering if maybe this is something
0: I should look into getting when I next upgrade my TV?
1: It's an interesting question. I'm going to flat out go, no.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm. No. I'm going to say, you know, it's not essential. It's a nice to have. No, it's not. Well, it is a nice to have. No, to have it's a nice not nice. TV. They're terrible but, I mean, operating systems most... and they're
1: crap, and you don't get as good a screen as you would if you spent less on a better screen.
0: The thing about TVs is that most of them, a lot of them, not all of them, come with smart TV functionality.
1: Yeah, that's you know, true. If
0: you if you go for the cheapest TV in Tesco or wherever, chances are that won't have a smart TV. No, you know, but all the Sony TVs, all the LG, all the big brands. You know, they all come with their own package of smart TV, and while they are while they are good, and it does allow you no, to do some things straight out of good. the box,
1: they're so slow. This is
0: where Josh and I really disagree. They they yeah. Do,
1: well, do you use a smart TV yet, or do you use a Chromecast all the time?
0: Actually, we do do some of the things on the smart. Never TV. seen you do it. That, that I've never actually, seen you do it. Sorry, my flatmates <laughs> do that. My flatmates use Netflix on the smart TV, whereas right. I just Chromecast the Netflix.
1: Because it's so much easier, right?
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, so it is easier if you've got a Chromecast. I wouldn't say it's essential. It is a nice to have, but chances are you're not going to use a lot of the features, no. so you don't really need it unless you you know it is extra money. Um, you know, you can buy a cheap model TV and do exactly the same things by buying a net, like an add-on, like a Chromecast. Well, this like is yeah. Th-
1: this is what I'm gonna I'm gonna get at is. When it comes to TVs, there are only two or three factories in the world that make TV panels. So mm. it doesn't matter what brand TV you buy, so long as the specs are what you want, you're going to get a good panel. Mm. Um, and what you so again, like you're saying, if you look at the cheaper, the the, the lower end TVs from the brands like Bush or Blaupunkt. Or, Which is actually quite a popular brand of car stereo, it turns out. Um, They're just uh,
0: pivoted to TVs. Yeah.
1: Alba, Polaroid, these cheaper brands of TV in the US, um, uh, Vizio, Mm -hmm. um, back home in New Zealand and Australia, Um, Sonic. Good old Sonic. They look really good. Um, Or or Transonic. Remember Transonic? (laughs) The good old days. Yeah. these lower-end brands of TVs are the same panels you're going to get from your LG, from your Samsung, from your um, Sony. Mm. Um, in fact, I know Sonique back in New Zealand and Australia have openly said, we just use Panasonic's panels from last year. We just use So if you don't mind having last year's tech, which again, looks fine. Yeah. So basically what I'm trying to say is you don't have to go for the expensive brand for a TV. And then when it comes to smart TVs... Uh, A Chromecast sets you back £30. A Fire TV Stick, £40. A Roku, anywhere between £20 and £120, depending on what model you get. So, like, for £30, you can make any TV a smart TV. And so go for a cheap brand. Get a Chromecast for
0: £30. And you've got a smart TV. You've got a smart TV.
1: That that lasts, though, as well, because uh, companies like LG, like Sony, are notorious for not keeping their smart TV software up to date. Uh, A whole lot of people with smart TVs found late last year they couldn't use iPlayer anymore because BBC had moved on with their technology but their TV manufacturer hadn't kept the TV up to date. Mm. So... Very clever from the TV companies to force you to upgrade your TV, but you shouldn't have to. A TV should be something that lasts for years.
0: I mean, that's, as I mentioned, my flatmates, they, they use Netflix using the smart TV uh, operating system. And just to highlight how old it is and when was the last time Netflix might have been updated, it's got that really old Netflix logo oh, on yeah. it. You know, red background, white text, yeah. lots of space between the yeah. yeah, So that that's a demonstration of the last time that TV was probably yeah updated. That being said, you know, we've got the Chromecast plugged in, so when I use Netflix, I just chuck it from my phone to... Straight away, uh, yeah. And straight away it's there, and I can use any app, any new app that's, um, you know, Chromecast enabled, yep. and it's there on the TV, which is fantastic. So I, I guess the takeaway is you don't need to spend a lot of money on a smart TV. You well, or buy-
1: I, I don't think you need a smart TV because you get much more flexible options by adding something on, like a Chromecast or yeah. a Fire TV stick.
0: I think the key thing with TVs is actually make sure that you know, it's the specs you want. Whether you know, if you yeah. if you've got a small small room, you probably don't need a massive 4K <laughs> ultra HD cheap screen. Well, you you might, but you might want that. You might want that, um, but you may not need it. But you that's know, it. I, I look reckon, at the screen specs rather yeah. than the tech behind it.
1: Get the best screen specs you can for your buck. Don't don't be um, wooed by the big brands necessarily, because you can still get really good TVs for much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and if you want smart functionality, add it on later. Yeah. I reckon. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. And that's the podcast.
0: That's all we have time for today. Um, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, don't forget, uh, you can follow us on all the various social networks. You're what, what are you host? at on Twitter, Ed? I'm at SwiftyNZ. What are you?
1: JWOOT. Lost a logo again. Ah... The TV decided to end the podcast before we did. Not um, because it's a cheap TV, and we're both at Intech Today Pod. Yeah, and you'll on hear, Facebook
0: and on Facebook, you'll you'll hear all the social media details uh, coming up very shortly.
1: Do we do we have those yeah, we updates? They pre-recorded. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, oh, we just sure. gave it away. We don't read that bit live every week. Ooh.
0: I mean, sorry, we'll read it live very shortly. We'll totally read it live, and it'll sound exactly the same. Anyway, thank you very much for <laughs> joining us. We'll be here again next week, and uh, we, we
1: might be live streaming next week. We'll see how we go, but oh, follow us, and God. you can find out. I just we, oh, this technology, this technology is killing me. Um, this music just keeps going, doesn't I think
0: it? it does. Maybe we should wrap this up now and just let the music play out for the rest of the episode.
1: Thanks for listening. See you next week. just wanted to bring us back to say it's not even halfway through
0: enjoy this guys have a, have a bit of a boogie if you've got any questions about the show or if any of your tech is making you feel like a dinosaur get in touch with us in tech today has been a production of parktown
1: studios in london